Hi guys, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Weld.com podcast. Today I have with me David Dan from David Dan Barbecue in Texas. And there is a reason behind him being on the podcast today. So we have Bob who um, has done some videos for us. He's gonna actually be making a custom smoker out of an air compressor tank which is something that we know a lot of you will have laying around and it's a project we're gonna track start to finish. We're gonna share the plans with you. We're gonna have a video on YouTube. We're gonna write a blog about it. And we're also gonna incorporate a recipe from David Dan so that you guys can have something to make in your smoker. So David, why don't you get us started and tell everybody a little bit about yourself, like what you have done for your career so far and let them know a little about you. Okay. Hey, thank you for having me. My name is David Dan. I run David Dan Barbecue here in Tyler, Texas. Um, yeah, I was born in Romania, and my family moved to uh, escape communism and join the American dream and partake in it. And we moved here when I was a year and two months. And um, I was raised in California. And then at the age of 18, I joined the military. And um, yeah, my dad was like, you have to go to a four-year college or you're out of the house. So <laughs> I, went, I went and joined the military, did four years in the Navy. I was Navy Special Programs. And then um, I got out and then I worked overseas as a civilian contractor for a couple years. And then uh, moved to Texas, went to school and uh, slowly started falling in love with smoking barbecue so um i ended up starting um just cooking and kind of barbecuing for family and friends and slowly growing into people asking to buy barbecue off me and um just kind of pursuing that more and more and i started uh, going to restaurants in dallas and learning from them and just kind of meeting different people and and kind of growing it into what it is now to where i'm I don't have a storefront. I don't have a brick and mortar or anything, but I'm doing catering. I'm doing events. I'm doing um, shows and, and just different venues. And uh, yeah, just slowly growing the barbecue business. Right. So I actually learned something new about you, that you're actually a pharmacist as yes. your main profession. And then this is something that you do is something like that you really enjoy to do and you you plan to expand on this. Like, what are your aspirations for the barbecue side of the business? Do you one day like want to have a business like as a food truck or a brick and mortar um, kind of storefront or like what are your dreams for this? So it kind of changes all the time. I eventually I think a brick and mortar would be awesome. I would love to do it. Um, the economy has kind of mm -hmm. taken a turn, especially the meat industry lately. So it kind of makes me wonder what my end goal is going to be. But um, I definitely would like to have a brick and mortar. I think that is the ultimate end goal is to have a restaurant. Um, and, and how long it takes me to get there and how I'm going to get there, I don't know. I'm just kind of enjoying the process right now. Um, I don't want to rush it. I just want to not have it become work. I want it to just kind of grow organically and I want to enjoy it. I want to love making barbecue for people. That makes so much sense. And I can definitely sympathize with that. So I saw on Instagram, one of the reasons you caught my eye at mm -hmm. David Dan barbecue on Instagram, <laughs> is that I saw that you built a smoker and yes. it was a really big one. And yep. we're going to be building one I told you about. So you also posted something that said that you always wanted to be a welder and that you know you saw that a lot in the military and you never actually got to take classes or something but you actually said you know we all have excuses at the end of the day and you just like went for it so what the heck made you think one day to like so you have your own welder and then you just decided one day like i'm gonna weld a smoker no so i so smokers are expensive they are very expensive the the smoker that i built everyone else that is you know professionally building these smokers are currently charging six thousand dollars starting 
and it's a yeah it's a 250 gallon propane tank that i turn into a smoker and they're down here they're charging six thousand starting and um there are wait lists everyone has wait lists for over a year and a half to two years so i was like i can't get on a wait list i don't want to spend that much money on a smoker personally um my only option is to to go for it and build my own smoker and i didn't know how to weld i didn't have a welder um, I just knew I wanted to build myself a smoker. I was starting, my operation was starting to grow. People were starting to ask for more barbecue. I needed more space. So I had to do it. So I, um, I called around me and I asked these propane places around me if they had propane tanks. And uh, there was, luckily there was a place about 10 minutes away from me that said, yeah, they had a free 250 gallon propane tank that was decommissioned um, and I could come and pick it up. So I went there. I actually got two of them. And then the next step was to get a welder. So I was asking, you know, I, I try to see like how I could get this done. I was like, maybe if I can do all the cuts myself, mm -hmm. then I could get a welder friend to do it for me. Or, you know, I was trying to figure out like how I would get this done and nothing was, was panning out. So I was, I was left with just having to do it. I had to do it. So I borrowed a welder from a friend and my first welds were on this smoker and I just welded a smoker. I watched a couple YouTube videos, watched a couple weld.com videos and got to it. Nice. Your welds yeah. don't look too bad. I looked at them. I was <laughs> like, that's not too bad for somebody who's just like aspiring to go out and like do it. You literally laid down some welds that at the end of the day, they did, they did what you wanted them to do, right? Yeah, they did. Uh, those are definitely very selective pictures. So some okay. of them, some of the welds are, are really what I think are decent. And then some of them are very ugly. But I mean, like you said, at the end of the day, it, it got the job done. It did what I wanted it to do. And it's holding together. Yeah. At the end of the day, they don't have to be pretty. They just have to be sound. Yeah. They have to be structurally sound. That's all that really yep. is. Yep. I, mean, I can't necessarily say that the like the first welds that I ever made were pretty. They, they probably weren't, but um, yeah, that's, that's so interesting. I love that part of your story and that's what drew me to, you know, bring you on the podcast because we're going to be building one. So the fact that you, how long did it take you to build that smoker? It took me a while just because I wasn't working on it consistently. Um, if, if I was to just add up the hours, I think it would, it took me four weeks and that was just like, couple hours a day okay yeah that would be like you know i'd go to work full time and then i'd come home and just put in a couple hours each night so do you have any tips for building the smoker that we're gonna build like were there any like problems that you came across during the process or like things that were hard to fit up or the venting like you know making sure that the smoke is able to like ventilate properly or like to keep the heat inside like what are some tips that you could possibly give us and anybody yeah, yeah so uh, my my biggest tip is do your research you know try to emulate other people that have done this before um so i watched some uh videos from aaron franklin who i think everyone should know in the barbecue world um from franklin barbecue and he had a pbs show where he showed how he built a smoker so i kind of copied took some tips from him and then i took some tips from other you know big time welders here in texas that build pits but basically um you want your firebox to be big you don't want a small firebox you want a big firebox and you want the opening of the firebox to be at least as high as your grate, your, where your meat is going to be at. And then you want your um, smokestack, whether it's a collector or a um, elbow, you want it to be same thing level with your grate so that when your smoke draws across, it pulls, you know, across your, your meat. You don't want your smokestack up top. You don't want your smokestack too low. You want it kind of aligned with the grate. And then um, you want everything sealed up nice. You want all your edges clean and everything sealed up nice. Um, what else? You want a big, big connection. Um, the hole that connects your firebox to your main chamber, you want a big, as big as you can get it there, just so that you have lots of airflow. You want your smoke to be very, very clean. Dirty smoke makes for acrid 
nasty tasting barbecue. You right. want nice. Yeah. You want it to draw. You want it to pull. You want clean, clean smoke going through there. So, um, man, what else? What else? There's a lot. <laughs> There's a lot. Yeah. Dude. I want to hear all of it. Like I really <laughs> do because you know what? I see some smokers and that's a really good point that you just made about the smoke stacks. A lot of yeah. people like put them like way on top. And yes. It looks like almost like a tractor trailer truck. Like, you know how they have like those big pipes like <laughs> coming up? So, yeah. So you're saying don't do that. No, 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 no. Because it'll draw uneven. So if you have meat over there at the end where the smokestack is and it's up top, it's going to draft upward and it won't hit that meat. So you You're want, smoking, you want, basically. yeah, right. Correct. Cool. So you want your smokestack and your firebox parallel with your grate and you want it to all kind of uniformly pull the smoke across and out. So the smokestack is not going to really, it's, it's going to ventilate out away from the box. Mm -hmm. to the smokestack the smokestack's not going to bring anything back like it's not going to recirculate back but you're just not going to draw it too high up correct correct there are reverse flow smokers which i don't know they're i don't i don't personally like there are reverse flow smokers which have like a plate have you seen those no okay so they have the smokestack on the same side as the firebox mm. and basically it has a metal plate that goes right under the um grate and it recirculates the air. So it'll go from one end and then draw it back to the, to the same end as the firebox. But you lose, you lose a lot of that bark building ability with reverse flows. I just like standard flow smokers. I don't, I don't recommend the reverse flow. Well, whatever you do, the bark that you get on your brisket, that's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> Listen, the day that I'm able to get a smoker in my backyard and I have a bigger backyard, that's what I'm going to do. So I'm going to listen to everything you say. <laughs> I will tell you every secret I know to get amazing barbecue. I have nothing to hide. Nice. So what is your favorite dish to make, like your favorite food to make? Uh, are we talking about just barbecue? Um, brisket in Texas, brisket is king. I love, I love cooking brisket just because it's it's one of the most challenging things. I think ribs are really challenging because it's very hard to know when to pull a rib. You have such a small window at putting it correctly. But besides that, brisket because uh, you have those two muscles. You have a lean muscle and you have a, a fatty muscle. And the fatty muscle is real easy to cook just because it has all that um, collagen and it breaks down and, you know, it ends up nice and moist. But the lean muscle, when you try to smoke a lean muscle, there's nothing there to break down. So it, it ends up usually being real dry. And so when you have those two muscles connected and you're trying to smoke them and make them tender at the same time, it, it's, it's a little uh, technical, but I love, love smoking brisket. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things to watch you cook. Whenever I watch it on Instagram, I'm like, man, that looks good. And I didn't even eat dinner yet. And I knew I was just talking about it. So the difference between, so what are all of the kinds of meats that you can smoke? Oh, so basically, you know, anything that has fat in it, uh, a, a good fat content in it, or collagen um, is good for smoking because smoking is a slow process. And anything that is, like I said, fattier, collagen-y, it takes time to break down and it takes time at a certain temperature. And so you want to smoke um, meats nice and slow. And those, those meats that have that, that um, content are good for smoking. So that would be brisket, that'll be beef ribs, that'll be pork ribs, pork butt. Um, and those, those, these are the main things that people smoke, you know, things that people would recognize. Um, what else is there? Beef cheeks. Beef cheeks are also real good. Um, any, really anything. If it's got fat in it, you can put it on there and smoke it. I've smoked stuff that doesn't have high fat content. It just, it, it just gets done real quick and you have to pull it. You know, like um, if you did like a back strap or if you did like a, um, you know, something, something from a deer with that's yeah. real lean, you know, you're going to pull it real real quick you're just going to basically get put it on there for flavor just a little bit of smoky flavor you're not really working to break down and soften up a muscle 
So are you able to like use the smoker to like dehydrate meat? Like say you wanted to make like deer jerky or something like that. Like, can you do that? Or would that not give you the drying that you would need to make a jerky? Yeah, absolutely. You could do that. You could do that. Just keep your temperatures real low and you can make jerky. You can cold smoke. If you keep temps real low, you can cold smoke. We do that with sausage. So the first hour or so of sausage make or sausage smoking is we just kind of give it that cold smoke, we call it, which is temperatures under 150 degrees Fahrenheit. And um, yeah, you can definitely do that. You can do that with cheeses. You can do it with salsa stuff. Like if you're doing tomatoes and peppers, um, onions, garlic, you can throw anything you want on there and just keep the temps lower. And yeah, you can do jerkies, anything, anything you can think of. I did not know that. That definitely has me even more like <laughs> getting a smoker. So yes. at the end of the podcast, you're going to have a little bit of time to think about what kind of recipe you're going to share with us. And then we're going to share that with everybody in um, the post on world.com. Okay. So I think, what, yeah. what do you think is the best side dish to complement barbecue? Because I think this is something that people like argue over, you know, like, or even like as a woman, you know, people will post on Facebook, like I'm going to a barbecue. What should I take? So like in yeah. your opinion, what is the, the best side for a barbecue? An, an ice cold beer. I'm just kidding. So besides. <laughs> That's, the That's a beverage. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I honestly love beer with barbecue. Like I will fill up on protein and beer and I neglect sides when I eat barbecue just because I'm so addicted to smoking meats. But um, over here in Texas, everyone, you know, if you want to be um, relative, you have to be able to have a good uh, beans, a good side of beans, mac and cheese, potato salad. Um, those three are kind of the staple. And then from there, it's really if you want to stand out, you, anything, sky's the limit. I mean, there are people doing grits. There are people doing literally anything. Tex-Mex is huge right now. So, mm -hmm. and anything, you know, Mexican related is great. And then Viet-Tex, Vietnamese, uh, Texan barbecue is blown up too. So people are doing soups uh, like pho. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, anything, really, whatever you're craving. I I love uh, tortilla. Just throw some brisket on a tortilla with some salsa. Um, or some slaw. Yeah. I love, like, yeah. fresh slaw. Like, I love to make yes. my own I love that. I like – I don't really like the vinegar-based one. I like, like, a creamy slaw. Oh, yes. Slaws are good, too. So refreshing. You prefer vinegar-based or cream-based? I prefer vinegar just because Romanian cuisine is so loaded with vinegar. Like it has just been a staple in my life. I love anything vinegar. Okay. So, but I, but I don't discriminate, you know, I love a cream base too. I mean, a, a good slaw is amazing. So no cornbread. Uh, yeah, I love cornbread too. I just, I honestly have not poured too much attention into sides and I know that I need to. But it's something that usually my wife will kind of, okay. like, I, yeah, my wife will really uh, pick apart sides. She's She's got okay. a good palate. And I've also noticed that the ladies seem to uh, appreciate the sides more than the men, I feel like. I don't know. I may be wrong, but yeah. <laughs> that makes yeah, perfect sense based on the conversation is that you're <laughs> like, no, I could literally just eat meat and drink beer. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> whatever kind of side you want, go ahead and go to town with it. Yeah, because, that's um, really. Yeah. I do love to make the sides, but guess what? I get stuck with all the grilling. Like my oh. husband, like he, <laughs> he would kill me if he heard this podcast. But I don't think he listens to it, so I'm gonna tell you anyway. Okay. He like cleans a lot. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. I'm pretty OCD. I clean a lot too. Yeah, so he cleans the house a lot, and he works very hard, and he's always in the gym and stuff like that, so I do all of the cooking, and I do the grilling and stuff, but he does keep our house pretty dang clean, so I have nothing That's to awesome. complain about, but I have to do, if I was going to have a smoker, like I do the grilling, I would have to be the one doing the smoking, which I would never complain about. I would probably love it, so... Yeah. If I, if I want to share a recipe about, I know a really good 
macaroni and cheese recipe. Ooh. I love to use um, all different kinds of cheeses. So maybe I'll share that with you. And if your wife has yes. a cornbread recipe or whatever your wife's side is, you might have to share that with us and we can put it with your barbecue recipe. We're going to okay. share that. Okay. I'll do that. Yeah, definitely. So I, what, besides slaw, what is like something you like to eat with barbecue? What's a good side that you like to eat? Mac and cheese. Like mac bacon, and cheese. Mac and cheese, like candied bacon. And we so we have a place by our house. It's called Cenicolo, and they make mm -hmm. homemade Italian pasta, which is something I learned to Oof. make COVID. And they have this pasta noodle. It's called Bruco. You can't buy it anywhere. It's this weird spiral kind of shape of pasta that just holds the cheese really well. Oh, nice. I use like a smoked Gouda and candied bacon on top of it. And that's just like, that's exactly what I love to have with barbecue. Dang. Nice. Yep. That sounds good. I would definitely, definitely take that recipe. After this. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so sure. what about sauces? So do you, do you make your own sauces? I'm assuming yes. And if you do, what is like your favorite kind of sauce? Like I know there's like Memphis style, St. Louis style. Uh, yeah. I, there's like bourbon style, like sweet and tangy, smoky, all these different kinds. Like what's yeah. Like so I don't. <laughs> Short answer is I don't. And I'll tell you why. It's because it's because in Texas, as opposed to other other places, and I'm not saying it's right, you know, whatever to each their own. You I'm just saying have a lot more available. I know, I know, but but hear me out. So in Texas, it's a point of pride for us to serve your barbecue without sauce. That being said, everybody loves sauce. Like literally, I don't serve barbecue without sauce because everybody asks for it. But yeah. the purest, the 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 people that are actually smoking the meats, the people that are you know the barbecue aficionados. It is a point of pride that your meat and your seasoning and everything is such high quality and so tender and so moist and so juicy that you don't need sauce. And it's the age old thing that the age old saying that if you use sauce, you're, you're covering up bad barbecue. Do I agree with it? No, but it's kind of that, I guess that ego driven thing where you can, you can just serve your barbecue and not have a sauce, you know? Um, but like I said, I always, I always have it ready because people always ask. Um, and then with meats, I love again, vinegar, <laughs> vinegar based sauces, um, with pork. So with pork, I love a vinegar based sauce that North Carolina style, um, is, is really good. I love that. I went to, um, skylight in barbecue in North Carolina. And then I went to Rodney Scott's in South Carolina to legends or barbecue and uh yeah i love their their whole hog barbecue with uh the vinegar based sauce it was life changing <laughs> it was super good but yeah i love i've made my own sauces before it's just i just kind of haven't really focused on it um i love a hot like a hot barbecue sauce you can throw some some really hot peppers in there uh then you have you have your classic peppery um tomato based one that we use here and in a vinegary, I kind of, I would kind of keep those three on rotation if I were to make my own sauce. Okay. Do you, so do you have a garden that you grow hot peppers from or any, like any ingredients from? I definitely have a garden. Yes. I grow, I grow a lot. I grow tomatoes. I grow peppers. Yes. Um, usually jalapeno. Sometimes I'll do some other stuff, but, um, yeah, I kind of just stick to jalapenos, but I grow okra. Um, yeah, I love okra. Mm, mm, mm. Maybe I should uh, grow that because I'm going to teach you a Pittsburgh word here. I have yes. a, a jagoff groundhog or rabbit. I don't know which one it is, but we call them jagoff. <laughs> he literally, I don't know what it is, but it ate all of my green. Oh. I'm not even joking. I have a fenced in yard and I have like at least... 25 feet worth of green beans like vines that every no. day I'd go out there and weave them through the fence and I was weaving them ever so nicely and every day I'd come <laughs> out and look at them and I'd be like man they're all dried up like I water them every night I take care yeah. of 
And I'm like, what's going on? I look at the bottom and they're severed. At the <laughs> I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. No. So guess what? I just, I ripped them all out today. I'm over it. Like they're just, no. they keep coming back. And that's the only thing he wanted to eat. So I ripped them up and I threw them on the side <laughs> of the And I will never grow green beans ever again. Oh man. Had you grown them before? No, never. Oh. My first time I have. I have tomatoes going, which are going really well. I have nice. basil, basil. I have a pineapple mint I found. Ooh, yes. And I've grown that before. Really? I have yeah. I just found it this year for some mojitos, I was thinking. I have chocolate mint, regular yeah. mint, green peppers, um, zucchini. Ooh, nice. Um, butternut squash, strawberries. Like, I have all these. I have lemon thyme. Um, oh yeah, Mary. Because I want to make um, grilled chicken wings. So those Ooh. are like my favorite kind of wings. I hate fried food. Yeah. And um, there's a place called Anthony's Cool Fired Pizza. It's a chain restaurant. I know. Don't hate me. <laughs> they make a cool fired grilled chicken wings, like with caramelized onions on them. And I looked up their seasoning, and it's garlic rosemary olive oil like some lemon juice and like it's so simple and i was like i could do that at home like, yeah i'm gonna go in there to make it so but chicken wings are expensive too how you were saying yeah going crazy it's nuts it's nuts that's this week's presenting sponsor is Como Caps. They're a family-owned business based in louisiana and they're well known for their welders caps they take a lot of pride in inspecting every cap twice before it ships from their facility, and they also do a lot of market research to create new designs to include in their assorted bundles. Our hosts so far have loved the fit and the style, and right now we actually have an exclusive coupon code for you to use at checkout. If you go to www.comocaps, it's C-O-M-E-A-U-X. C-A-P-S dot com and use our code WELD10 at checkout. You'll save 10%. That's awesome. Yeah, you have to have some uh, perennial herbs for sure. That's yeah. You can do a lot too. You can do nice chimichurris with that. Yeah, you're set. Yeah. So what are some, you already gave us a couple. So what are some key pointers you would want to give to people who may be smoking meat or they want to get into smoking meat. So like, as far as like starting up the smoker, where to place yeah. the meat, where to rotate the meat to, how long yeah. or how, how to know when it's done. And then mm -hmm. you had this kind of paper that you had your brisket wrapped in too. So you, you explain all of that. Okay. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing that I would explain to someone who's, who's maybe, a novice or just getting into it or or maybe even you know a little bit past beginner um is the the one thing that i think i see the biggest mistake in people smoking is everyone looks for a temperature and that's not bad because you've got to have you got to make sure your meat is cooked but with smoking it's not about a temperature only it's about a, a feel you want to like i had said earlier you want to make sure your meat is tender and moist and soft. So, you know, I see some people being like, I cook my brisket to 203 degrees Fahrenheit. And that's great. Your, your brisket's cooked, your meat's cooked, but 203 degrees Fahrenheit doesn't mean that your brisket is tender. So keep smoking it until it becomes tender. You know what I mean? So I, the, the biggest thing that I would tell someone is, is use your senses, watch, touch, touch it, like poke it, make sure that it's, it's soft. If it's tough, then let it go. Keep going. Keep going until it goes tender. You know what I mean? Um, that's the biggest thing is is kind of getting those reps into where you start to realize and and see how the meat is turning out and not just looking for a magic number like, okay, this is it, you know, and, and that's how I was when I first started. I was like, yeah, 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 great, great, great. I don't believe you, you know, like, I, I understand you tell me smoke it till it's tender, but like at what temp should I pull it? And it's, it's right. not about that, you know, and, and that's the one thing I think I would tell someone like the, the biggest thing is like, just be patient and just let it go. Like, don't pull it too early. I think that's the, the biggest mistake I see is people pulling meat too early. Like, Oh, I hit temp. It's done. Not necessarily. 
Um, second is be OCD with, with everything you do, like strive for perfection, be, be so in love with the process that you're, you're trying to get better and better at it. And you're trying to figure stuff out on your own, not just taking someone's word for it because you know, not, not every, not every little bit of information you're getting is right. So some of the stuff that I may be saying now, I, I might not even follow in 10 years or five or a year. I don't know. I may be changing my, my, my approach to barbecuing. You know what I mean? So, so just be a student of it and just try to learn from it. But um, yeah, when you're, when you're smoking something, definitely don't put anything too close to the firebox. You kind of want that middle to to that three quarters down the fire, uh, down the, um, the, uh, the meat chamber area. That's like the sweet spot. That's where I like to put most of my meat is not too close to the, to the smokestack, but definitely a ways away from the, uh, the firebox. And then, um, just, yeah, you know, there's a saying, if you're looking, you ain't cooking, just let it, let it do its thing. Just let it do its thing. Trust the process. And just keep your fire nice and clean. Don't you don't want nasty fire, um, and and keep it simple. Like I use pepper and Lowry's on my brisket. That's it. I know a lot of people do pepper, salt, and Lowry's. I've just kind of <laughs> taken taken salt out and just and just use Lowry's pepper and Lowry's. But um, yeah, just just be for lack of a better term anal with it just watch it just learn just be obsessed with it and and try to try to do your best every time so what know. do you feel about like opening it so here's the thing so yeah <laughs> I to tell you this is like one of my biggest downfalls like in my early 20s when I was like learning how to really cook stuff I would make stew or whatever and this is prior to the instant pot era this is before pressure cookers good yeah. old crock pot days I yes. would and i would constantly open it and stir it and i would call my dad and i'd be like dad what the hell's going on with this beef like it's not cooking and he'd be like how many times did you open it and i'm like <laughs> you're not supposed to open it so like is that yeah. hold true with the smoker like do you kind of like want to like let it go for like, if you have it set at a certain temp, you like let it go for a couple hours and don't open it or like, what's the tips as far as that? Goes? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, but, but the thing is also, if you're just starting out, you know, the thing is, like I said, if you're, if you're looking, you ain't cooking, you want to let it go. But if you're starting out, I advise you to look, you have to look because you have to know what you're looking for. So if you've never, ever done it, yes, go ahead and peek. But be quick because you're letting out temperature, you're letting out smoke, right? So just go ahead and take a peek and just close it, right? Yeah. But but once you've done it, once you've got your reps in, once you know what you're looking for, once you know you, you've learned your cooker, you've learned your smoker, you've, you've managed your fire, you know how to build a good fire to where you're getting good airflow into your fire, your fire is not shutting off, it's burning, it's clean. You don't need to lift that lid at all. Like I don't look at my brisket probably until maybe six hours in okay. I don't I don't even look I don't need to because I know what's happening as long as I know my temperatures are good I know exactly what's happening in there and it's not much <laughs> it's right. just it's slow you know it's slow cooking and it's just slowly building a bark so, so yeah you use to build your fire so are you using some kind of wood chips or like what's your go-to thing to make the fire like what do you suggest like for a good brisket that one that i see on your instagram all the time yeah. the park, what are you yeah. using to get that fire going i'm using a hundred percent texas grown post oak only there are other woods um i did i recommend anything that is available to you that is good for smoking um, nothing like pine, obviously, but like the good hardwoods, you've got oak, hickory, pecan, um, any of those will do. Um, but here in Texas, we love post oak. That's what everybody uses. That's what's available to us. That's what's prevalent. And that's, that's kind of the, the main, the main wood that everybody uses and it imparts a great flavor. It's not too, too strong. It's not too, um, it's kind of forgiving, you know, if you get a little bit of a dirty fire, it's just a, a good all around wood. 
But yeah, I just use post oak. I mean, I've just used 18 inch splits and I got a guy who lives near me and I just buy cords at a time. So your firebox is connected yes. to your chamber. Yes. How much? So in your firebox, how full do you make it of wood and do you have to add any wood during the process or is it, is it enough to carry it? Explain that process like how much is too much? How do you even check? Sure. sure. Yeah. So fire management is the most important part of barbecue hands down. That is the, I mean, salt and pepper on a brisket is nothing. Fire management is the most important thing in barbecuing. So my firebox is a 250 gallon propane tank cut in half. That's welded to another 250 gallon propane tank. So it's um, diameter or it's, yeah, it's diameter. Oof, I don't know. It's huge. It's 30 inches across, I believe, something like that. So inside the firebox, I have, I use about four pieces of wood at a time to keep my fire going. Four 18 inches of post oak. And I'll lay one down and then three across that piece of wood so it's kind of hard to explain you know I, if i had visuals i could share you can it but send me a picture that's fine we'll put okay. it whenever we explain in the blog like what to yeah. do, we will include like some visuals because this is really good information yes this is this is prime like you have to know how to build a fire keep a okay. fire make sure it's clean but i do four pieces of wood at a time and when I said, you know, you have to learn your smoker, you have to learn your fire, you, learn, you have to learn heat retention. And I know that my smoker will probably need another piece or two of wood every about 40 minutes, 45 minutes, let's say 30 to 45 minutes. I am, I'm checking my fire. I'm constantly checking my temperature though. So I'm looking at my gauges and I, I see that my temperature fluctuates plus or minus 10 degrees. I adjust accordingly. So if my temperature is too high, I open the door to my firebox a little bit. Normally my door stays about two inches from shut. I don't want too much oxygen. The fire will draw it naturally. Um, you don't want too much oxygen because you will burn through your wood fast. So we just kind of leave the door cracked open and it'll pull all the oxygen it needs to keep, keep that fire going. But if my temperature goes up 10, 10 degrees, I open the door and that'll, um, that'll drop that temperature down. And then once it gets to where I want it, I'll close the door back up a little bit. So when I said be anal about your cooking, that's what I'm talking about. I watch my gauges like a hawk. I, I'm watching them and I'm making sure that my, my temperature stays within a range plus or minus 10 degrees at all times. And that's because your, your brisket, your big piece of meat, or any meat for that matter, is, is going through a, a big change. It's going gonna, it's gonna to hit a point where it's sweating out water. It's going to hit a point where it's now not colder. You know, it's, it's now warmer than the ambient air. So there's a lot going on that um, you need to be aware of. And making sure that your temperature is constantly at the temp that you want it and and not lower is very, very important to creating a good, good brisket and good barbecue. So what's the temperature that you aim for, like on your brisket and how long does it take approximately? You talking about internal temperature for, of my brisket? No, I'm talking about like your smoker. Like if you're watching okay. the pages, what's the temperature you are looking for and like how long are you leaving it in there for? And then is there a rest time after? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So um, every smoker is different. The smaller the smoker, usually um, I think the lower the temperature. The bigger the smoker, the higher the temperature you're going to be cooking at. And this is not true across the board, but this is just kind of what I've, I've seen. So if you have a smaller backyard smoker, mm -hmm. you can cook at um, lower temps. Um, it, the bigger the smoker, the higher the temps that you can kind of get away with. So with my smoker, I usually try to keep it at around 250 degrees. That's usually what most people try to keep it at. Um, and so what I'll do is I'll start my brisket at 250 degrees and I'll keep it there for six hours. Then I will bump it up to 275 
for three hours, and this is this is rough, rough estimate. Every brisket is different. Yeah. You know, every everything's different. But if I'm to just be general here and um, just kind of give you an idea, it's two fifty for six, two seventy five for three. Then I wrap in butcher paper, that's and then I'll. Yep. So that's unwaxed butcher paper. So the unwaxed butcher paper, you can buy it on Amazon. It's just peach butcher paper. Um, what it does is it allows, um, it allows you to continue cooking, but it also allows the bark to breathe. So you, if you were to, so if you were to do three things, if you were to cook a brisket with no wrap, or if you were to cook a brisket with a, a butcher paper wrap, and if you were to cook a brisket with a, a foil wrap, you would get three different results. The first one, no wrap, you'd get a, uh, a real barky, crusty, you know, exterior. The second one with the butcher paper, which I do and a lot of restaurants do and most people do here, is you still maintain that bark, but it softens it just a little bit. So it allows it to breathe, but it also softens it just a bit. The third one, the foil, it'll it would give you the most soft bark and it kind of I've heard people describe it as a little slimy it's not slimy but it's just it in, it traps in so much moisture that it doesn't breathe like the butcher paper and your bark is kind of almost not a bark anymore yeah I'm not gonna do that okay so you you have me sold I'm not gonna do any foil I'm gonna <laughs> yes do, I'm either gonna do no paper or I'm gonna do paper <laughs> yes yes so the paper just kind of helps soften it up but also let it breathe a little bit yeah definitely I prefer paper Okay, so next question. What is this discada thing you made? Is that, so that is yeah. something for tacos? Yeah, yeah. So the discada was um, an end portion of my firebox. So when I cut my firebox um, opening okay. to that connected to my propane tank main gray area, I cut out a 22-inch diameter circle. And that, that was how big my opening was from my firebox into the main food chamber. Uh, so, yeah. So I had that lying around and I was like, what can I do with this, you know, piece of metal? And um, I don't, I don't remember, I don't know if I had saw, I had seen something that kind of made me want to build that or if I had just, you know, one day it clicked. But um, I, I did remember in Romania when I had visited family and stuff, they used to use these old tractor plow discs mm -hmm. and they would cook on those in the fields. And so I was like, Hey, I, I always wanted one of those. And I saw that and I was like, I know here people use them for making tacos like discadas or, um, you know, you can use it like a big wok and just kind of fry in it and kind of the center portion of it. But yeah. I just didn't want it, didn't want it to go to waste. So I was like something else I can cook with or, you know, sell or give away. So yeah, I came up with that, and uh, I thought it would be it would be awesome for tacos. And just through, I welded some horseshoes on it. Yeah, I I saw the horseshoes on it, and I loved mm -hmm. that idea. It was so resourceful, and yeah. I would that would be perfect for veggies. Like if you wanted to like oh. some veggies on there. Yes, 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 yes. It'd be yeah, it'd be good for veggies. It'd be good for tacos. It'd be good for stir fry. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. So the other thing I want to ask you about, I'm not even going to try. And what <laughs> you already, I sent you a picture of it, so you know what I'm talking about. It looks like some mm -hmm. dumpling. Yeah. What so I don't know how to pronounce it either. <laughs> I think don't? it's pronounced curlurgiones. I don't know. I'm not Italian. I'm Romanian, so I don't know. That's an Italian pasta. I saw this gentleman on Instagram post. His name is Matteo Zilonanka can't pronounce his last name can't pronounce his pasta anyways this dude's amazing with pasta and i saw him create this pasta dumpling like thing like you said yeah and the in the ingredients on the inside of this stuffed dumpling pasta thing was mashed potatoes fresh mint you could probably use your pineapple mint or chocolate mint or whatever but and um Pecorino cheese, which is super sharp and tangy, but it was it was such a good flavor combo that mint and pecorino and the you know who doesn't like potatoes. So I ended up making them, and then um, I thought to myself immediately like, oh, 
leftover brisket stuffed in this would be awesome. So, you know, I mean, we do that with, with jalapenos already here. We stuff jalapenos and cream cheese and wrap bacon around it. I was like, this would be great with a little bit of shredded brisket, leftover brisket and um, some mashed potatoes and just kind of make like a little, uh, a brisket dumpling. And um, they're just fun to make tedious, like super tedious, but just kind of elegant, kind of trying to elevate the craft a little bit, you know? So it's kind of like a ravioli. Yes, 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 yes. It's kind of like a teardrop ravioli. That is insane to me. Yeah, I read that it's made with potatoes, olive oil, pecorino, garlic, mint, and nutmeg. And it actually originated in Sardinia. Yes, 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 yes. That is so interesting to me because we actually make um ravioli homemade homemade ravioli we make um ricotta cheese ones and meat ones for christmas every single year but this actually this dish is actually a traditional dish it says it's only eaten they're eaten only on the day of the dead held on the second of november oh wow i didn't know that festive tradition like similar to like thanksgiving or something like that but when you made it However, you folded that looked like that was right on point like that. I'm including that because people need to see that. And that was so interesting. And like, they'll be interested in how you made that. And if you, once you learn how to make that kind of dough, you can literally make ravioli, you can make pierogies, you can make this kind of dish and use some of your smoked meat leftover. Like you can use it for whatever you want to. So I was so happy when you posted that. I was like, wow, that's really good. (laughs) Yeah. I have, I have a chef buddy who, you know, I'm not a chef by any means. I'm not trained to be a chef. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Stop saying that to people. That's like people saying that they're like, you're saying like, I don't know. Like I'm not a nurse, but like, and you're a nurse. (laughs) Yes, you are. You are. You're a chef. (laughs) Okay. All right. All right. Thanks. But he, he's like, he went to school for it. I'll say that. So he went to school and he was just like, dude, that is awesome. We got to do a pop-up. You got to, you got to definitely showcase those. So it was just kind of one of those things that was just like, I, I love barbecue and I, I, I want to, you know, I want to see what's next. What can we do next with it? What's, you know, besides just, a big hunk of meat, which I like, but you know, what can we do? What else can we do? And and like you said, you, if you can do a, a dough or a pasta yeah. with it, man, you can do a lot of other things, raviolis and whatever else you want to do. Yeah, You can make pierogies and make some kibasi or something. Mm. I don't know how you guys pronounce that. I, we pronounce it kibasi, but I know it's kibasa, however you want to say it. <laughs> and I know you make sausage and like all those other kind of things you were talking about on, on your smoker. Yeah. So, like you can make all kinds of different things. Yes, yes, absolutely. It is pretty much just up to you, up to your imagination. So what kind of food did you grow up eating? So you came to the United States and your family, mm. you guys are from Romania. Yeah. So what was like the type of cuisine? Like did you guys, did your family immediately start cooking like American things no. too? Or what was the Romanian style? Yeah, we, we, um, we ate at home. We were poor. I'm talking about poor, poor. like coming from Romania, from a communist country, we waited in, in line for, um, for food. We had like livestock and animals that you, you know, you raise like living in the house with us. We had a well, we had to walk out to, to get our water. We were poor. And so when we came to the States, my family came with two hundred dollars in their pocket and no english and like we just knew a couple other romanian people um but we like we never ate out ever when i i remember when i started dating when i was you know a teenager i had no clue about any restaurant etiquette so like i remember the waiter coming to the table and being like hey how are you greet you you know and get your drinks and I had no idea that he was just there for drinks. So I was like spitting out the whole order. Like, I want this, I want this, blah, blah, blah. And there was just so much that I didn't know about because mm-hmm. we never, we never ate out. I mean, we just, there was five kids and my two parents and my mom cooked every day. We ate at home and we ate Romanian food and Romanian food is, 
like, you know, I would equate it to like uh, Mediterranean style food. Okay. A lot of salads, um, meats, um, a lot of cabbage. We love our cabbage. We love our vinegar stuff. Um, but like cabbage wraps in Romania, and that's one thing I want to do next is a uh, like a brisket cabbage wrap. But cabbage wraps are like the equivalent of a tamale um, in the Romanian world. It is like the specialty item that's done, you know, for special occasions. Um, but yeah, it was... It was just straight Romanian food. <laughs> so you kind of make like, are you talking, you're probably saying something similar to like stuffed cabbage. Like we call it yeah. like, like, so like there's like a Hungarian dish that my family makes. Like we're like Hungarian, Indian or Italian, German. Like we have all different kinds of recipes. So, nice. so we make stuffed cabbage and that's one of my favorite things to make. So we kind yeah. of um, get, there's beef and pork and we use river rice and you yep. then you we actually cook bacon too not a lot of people do that we, we yeah eat the bacon drain the bacon grease and then cook it all together and then we cover it with tomato soup yes and yep. then you yep. put it in the oven and you literally just let it go for like as, and there's some other ingredients in there too but you just like yep. kind of let it go so are you talking about like kind of like braising the cabbage slowly like with meat inside of it like wrapped up yeah yeah that's exactly it that is exactly it i mean you uh, you nailed it yeah ingredients and everything we do the bacon we do the beef and pork um a little onion a little rice we yeah. do a little little thyme salt pepper and then um yeah we just layer it with tomatoes crushed tomatoes and just let it go and we do the instead of the soup yeah. okay yeah yeah and then we do the um um, we'll sour our own cabbage. We'll have like big, big, you know, like 50 gallon drums and we'll just put cabbage head after cabbage head in there with just salt and water. So mm -hmm. one liter of water to one tablespoon of kosher salt. And we'll just let that sit there for like two weeks and you kind of go in there and mix it and ventilate it every day. And then you just, you get this, you know, basically an equivalent of like a sauerkraut. Um, but you use those leaves to, to wrap, yeah, that mix. And yeah, that's like, Oh man, we had those. Uh, those are those are my favorite. But I want to do like a, I want to do something with that and kind of incorporate barbecue, kind of incorporate brisket and. Well, you definitely can because, like I said, I love the slaw with barbecue. So it's kind of like having barbecue yeah. inside of the slaw. You can definitely even have the leaf and then have just like a little bit of slaw on the inside to pull it in. I think that's such a good yeah. You I never even that. thought about it that way. Yes. I like that. That was a good interpretation of it. Yes, I dig that. Thank I'm you. I'm coming down now. <laughs> I'm definitely coming down there now because that sounds yes. like a really good idea. I I yeah. love to cook, which is why this is my longest podcast I've ever done. I knew that was really? going to happen. Yeah, it is. Oh, nice. I think we've almost gone like to an hour. So let's get to this next point yeah. so we can yes. wrap up. So yes. outside of grilling and smoking, and mm -hmm. you, so you already said that your wife takes on some of the side dishes, I mean, which is the customary thing. I mean, that's the typical thing, like the man would yeah. eat and the woman does the thing, the side dishes. What, do you do anything else? Like if it's too cold outside or if the weather is like really crappy, do you do any kind of cooking like baking or other than the dumplings? I mean, that looked really good. Yeah. What's your other favorite thing to cook? Yeah, I cook a lot. I think I cook more than my wife. Um, she's definitely very good. She has a great palate. She's taught me a lot about cooking too, but I just, I think I'm the one that just kind of, I, I get like more inspired about thing about cooking than she does. Um, so I'm always the one that's just like, Oh, I want to try this dish or, Oh, I want to, you know, mess around with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, for the longest time I was um, cooking. Um, dang. What, what is it? Paellas. I got into paellas like years ago. And I, I think I was on a kick for like a year where I was just trying to perfect the paella. Um I do, man, I do anything and everything. I kind of just scroll Instagram really for inspiration and I follow, you know, like uh, really nice chef style Instagram pages and I'll find something and I'm like, Ooh, I want to try that. But 
Mm -hmm. I'm always cooking. I wish I knew how to bake. My wife, again, she's the baker. Okay. She's the baker and the sides. She's, but I love like real light, flaky, um, kind of like French style pastries. I I like those. I don't like heavy, creamy, like cheesy stuff. I just love like real airy, flaky, like almost like a croissant style dessert. But I wish I knew how to bake because, again, like to stand out in barbecue now, it's it's really just like what else can you bring to the table? You know, everyone everyone here has to do the Texas Trinity, a solid brisket, solid ribs, solid sausage. And then after that, it's just a plus, you know, whatever else you can bring to the table. And I think baking or desserts or whatever is is amazing because there's not many people i don't don't think there's anybody that's that is just killing the dessert game in in barbecue yeah i think that it's a hard thing to do because it's so hot like (laughs) something to do like i mean i'm from pennsylvania i told you that like i don't want to cook anything inside of my house right now it's not outside <laughs> the grill. like my house doesn't have very good ventilation in the kitchen that is definitely on my list for my next house I'm gonna have a really nice ventilation system if yes I start cooking something the house ends up being like 80 plus degrees and i'm just not yeah. into it. so that's true yeah it's just so hard to like think of something you could make right you could maybe do the pie route yeah yeah, people do love pies. There's yeah. like in Texas, pecan pie is huge. Yes, I was gonna say like a pecan pie and maybe yeah. make it a sweet and savory like pecan pie with like some Ooh. bacon. Yeah, that sounds delicious actually. Yeah, so do <laughs> that. that. You can do let that. Me, let me ask you this: Do you who who is more of the sweets person in your house? You or your husband? Mm. Or both? Or neither? I really don't like I honestly I don't really eat like candy or anything like that and I really don't unless it's like fruit like watermelon or something like that in the summertime I really only like sweet stuff in like the fall or the winter whenever it's super cold outside like and I can actually bake something because I don't really Ah. I like French macaroons I like the Uh yeah but I mean he likes everything like he likes candy ice cream popsicles like all those kind of sweet things i'm not really like that i like i'm more of a texture person like i like different kinds of food yep. you should definitely get on pinterest because i use <laughs> pinterest a lot and it's funny you said mediterranean because uh-huh. i'm on a mediterranean diet kick right now mediterraneans mm. live a very long time they're yep. They drink red wine. Well, they have carbs. You can have cheese. You can have olive oil. You can have yep. everything. You just eat more fruits and vegetables. So I'm like, you know what? That's a diet I can get on. So I've been really into like in this morning. I had scrambled eggs with um tomato, um spinach, Ooh. and some feta cheese. And I yes. slice of whole grain toast. And like tonight, I'm gonna have a salad like with strawberries, blueberries. And um, some grilled chicken, and like yeah. I'm like really into that kind of diet. But they have a lot of recipes on Pinterest. Yeah, yeah, Mediterranean food. I can definitely uh, it, Mediterranean diets. Yes, I can definitely get behind that. I just thought it was hilarious that your first example of a Mediterranean diet was wine. That was nice wine. <laughs> yeah. That was good. Definitely. Well, it's supposed to actually help you have better blood pressure. Yeah. And a decreased risk of a stroke, like all of these different things. And you know that from being a pharmacist too, like it actually is a heart healthy diet, but I mean, you and I both love to have beer with our, with our barbecue. The thing is that they have one glass of red wine. I don't really, I can't get on board with that. I'm going to have my beer. (laughs) I'm going to have a glass of wine. I'm hoping that if I do the diet part, the food part, the beer (laughs) won't bother me. (laughs) I'm definitely with you on that. (laughs) All right. Well, tell everybody where to find you on Instagram. Yes. You can find me at David Dan BBQ on Instagram. Um, it's just a black logo with white lettering, and I'm on there. Um, if you guys have any questions, anything, I'm super responsive, and I'm very willing to help. Just message me, DM me. I will be more than happy to help you and, and answer any questions you have. I mean, I'm obsessed with barbecue and food and just talking. I can talk a lot. I'll talk your ear off. So 
feel free to hit me up and I will help you in any way that I can. Nice. So which recipe are you going to share with everybody? Do you want to tell us what it, you can tell us what the, which recipe it is, but you don't have to tell us all of the ingredients and stuff. Just like, yeah. are you going to, what recipe is it going to be? I'm, I might do two. I might do brisket and I might do beef ribs. I might, I'm, or, or maybe brisket and sausage. Like I think it's, it's, imperative that if you're smoking you have to make your own sausage so i might do brisket and i might do sausage i'll, I'll give them two okay perfect all right that sounds good you're gonna talk to your wife though and see if she has a good recipe yes cornbread or something yes i'm gonna get you a cornbread recipe okay okay cornbread or any other side teller whatever she okay. like her best side teller okay okay all right that's all right guys uh, all right. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. And we will catch you next time. All right.